HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My Family Recipe is a new podcast from Food 52 and Heritage Radio Network, bringing you cherished heirloom recipes and the stories behind them. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the 500th episode of Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz, coming to you on behalf of your other co-host, Greg Bresnitz. Thank you to everyone who's been with us this entire journey, all 500 episodes, all 10 plus years. To everyone at Heritage Radio Network, you are family. Thank you for all the support to all the guests, to all the bands, to all the chefs, to all the PR people, to every audio engineer, to our brother in arms, Kong. We couldn't have done it without all of you. It's truly an honor. Here's to 500 more. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We are absolutely thrilled to be celebrating this episode with our friend Eric Wareheim, whose new book, Foodheim, A Culinary Adventure, is a must-read and must-get for this season of cookbooks, or if you're just a cookbook fan in general. It is a New York Times bestseller. It is a very unique voice in the best way possible, and I have cooked from it. The Nona Sauce, Chef's Kiss, and the Chicken Parmesan crushed it at my last dinner party. He's the whole show, and we sprinkle it in with three of our favorite songs from the archives. She Keeps Bees, Reggie Watts, and arguably, to this day, I think my favorite performance, Porches. You have to see which song we pick, but here we go. Episode 500, here on hrn.org. Thanks again. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky Tunes. Eric, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Congratulations on the book, the New York Times best-selling book. Uh, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thanks for taking the time. Wow. I'm I'm happy to be here. I've been a fan for a long time. We've been trying to do this for a long time. I know. I just feel like we had to wait until the book popped because now it's just time to celebrate and talk. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's so funny when we're dancing around these interviews uh, and they're just like, oh, this doesn't work. This isn't right. And then they line up like this. It's just like, oh, this was the right time to do it. This was so great. Yeah. It's, uh, it, yeah. I love it. Um, well, let me just say, I love the book. Uh, I read it cover to cover, and um, I love it because 
it's really, I mean, it's a love letter. You know, it's a, it's like this very intimate, personal food journey of yours um, that seemed to start like at a very young age with your grandma and your grandpa and your, your parents. Um, what did you love about food back then? What's carried on your entire life? Why make a book about it? Yeah. Well, first, I'm so glad. First of all, I'm so happy that you read it because I've been oh. getting a, a couple of those like kind of re- compliment. I, I, and that to me is like the ultimate because it, you put so much time into a book from literally the first graphic on the first title page to the end. And some people have read it all the way through. And it, this is the first time in my career in 25 years of doing this stuff that I've ever been kind of sincere about things. You know, mm. I've always been pretty... Um, I, I w- I've never done a real interview really before a couple of years ago, we've, like with, with Tim and Eric, we've only done characters on, you know, late night shows and right. whatever dance. But this was like my time. I was like, I, I'm so passionate about food and wine and this and the food culture that I'm like, I'm going to explain why I am so into it. And it does start at an early age and it does start with your family and your roots and your heritage and my going to Germany early and seeing my Oman Opa cook with no money. And then, you know, being in America and touring around the country and then touring the world and, and going, doing these deep dives into food. And that's how much I love and respect it. So I wanted to kind of explain like my path in food and, and, and tell you why you should be even reading this book because I do, I have done so much research and just so much, you know, um, it's so much my soul in there. So I, I feel really happy that you read it and it's resonating with some people that way. Oh yeah. I mean, um, the idea of doing a interview about a book you wrote that's so personal and not reading it and just trying to mime my way through it was just, that was just <laughs> never going to happen. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's what I love about this book is that in both the food part and then later on in the wine part, you do talk about having almost, I don't want to say no knowledge, but you know, you're, you're a bit older and so yeah. food and wine was not what it is today. You know, pre-internet, not brand, yeah. definitely not what it's become. And it's just been this thing that, especially as a touring uh, artist and a band and then as a touring comedian, that's really how you got to see the world. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because you grew up in the East Coast. And, you know, for anyone who grew up in the East Coast and heard about L.A. food of a certain time, it, I don't want to call it a punchline. But it yeah. wasn't respected what it is now. And this book is such – if anything else, it's just like your your hometown food love for L.A. Yeah. reigns supreme. Um, Absolutely. What do you love about eating here? And, I mean, you shout out so many people in the book. But, you know, who are some of your favorites uh, that have really just opened your eyes to the L.A. culinary scene? Yeah. Oh, my God. There's so many. And it's so true. You know, when I first moved here 17 years ago to Los yeah. Angeles, it was, it was very different. It still was delicious. And there was a lot there. But, you know, I just now there's more natural wine bars than there are cocktail bars. It's just mm-hmm. been, it's such a crazy revolution that's happened. Um, you know, in the book, uh, I do a kind of a lamb kebab, which is directly mm. inspired by mini kebab. In- Shout out. Glenda, yeah, Armin is the man. His family is amazing. Like I've always loved Lebanese food, and then coming here and having the Armenian Lebanese vibe and just the mm-hmm. Armenian vibe, I'm like, it blows my mind. Like it's just so delicious. But mini kebab does it. You know, he taught me about you got to put some extra fat in that kebab. You got, you know, he actually takes a stick of butter. I hope this is not a secret, but he, he butters it up. <laughs> he butters his kebabs up, and that's why they're so juicy and they kind of 
they could last even in a, t- a to-go container, you know, like yeah. we would get it delivered. And we're like, this is very rare that a kebab, you know, after 30 minutes in a, in a, a, a caviar car or something, you know, it's, so that was, it's amazing. You know, B- Bistro Na mm-hmm. in, um, in, in Alhambra is like, I, I think about that every day. I just think about how, and they were, that's a Sichuan place, but they, they have like a Michelin star. They use organic yep. veggies. They use really good uh, proteins and you can freaking tell it's just insane. You know, the flavor. So some of my dishes, like I have the Sichuan rib mm-hmm. ticklers and that's really mm-hmm. inspired by like, and now I, I've, I've gotten deep because of Beast or not, I've gotten deep into like wok cooking and I figured out mm. kind of like, some Chinese American stuff and just like the different soy sauce. So I'm like food time too is going to be mostly Chinese American food. Um, anyways. I think it's so great to see so many of, well, first off you give credit where credit's due in the book and there's no shame in that. I I think it's really great to, um, I mean, look, you're not a classically trained chef by any means, but you've taken this, I don't know if postmodern is the right word, but this like amalgamation of all your food experiences and say like, okay, maybe you don't live in a place where you can get like Aleppo chili or you can get this type of stuff. But like, here's a peek into this world. Here's a way that you can also go to local restaurants and get inspired. And here's a way to cook it at home. And if you can't like get all the ingredients, like just do the best that you can. Yeah, that that's literally it. And, you know, I think food and comedy are very um, Mm. similar in the sense of giving credit and not stealing and not trying to appropriate, you know, sure. like, so in my, you know, my comedy career, Tim and I have always been like, if anyone else is anywhere nearly done a bit, we don't do it. You know, it's, we, it's just how you do it. And yeah, when I, that's how I came into food, which is obviously like a different thing because sure. every recipe is pretty much based on another recipe. And I, I just wanted to really be like, this is where this comes from. This is where I learned this. This is who taught me this. This is where it was inspired from. Cause I think that's important to like, to, to be like, oh, this is not some bullshit book. This is actually, this person spent some time in Thailand and learned how to cook this and all those things. That's, I think it's, I think that is important. It's also important to honor where it's from, obviously. Yeah. Um, because a lot of things become like really bastardized in a, in a weird way. Sometimes yeah. it's fine, sometimes not, but. Yeah, and also people put a lot of work into it. Um, yeah. Uh, getting these recipes, I mean, mini kebabs, for example, but also like, Bob and Grandma's, who you talk about, and then yeah, also, oh you know, Ricky's Fish Tacos and things like that. Yeah. That doesn't mean, and Pizzana, shout it out to Daniele, yes. that doesn't mean you can't make tacos and kebabs and pizza at home, but it's, you know, saying like, hey, this is where I got inspired, and then I riffed yeah. on it, and then, I mean, you say in the book that it's going to it's gonna push you out of your comfort zone a little, yeah. which is which is good, because I think you have, you know, you have... Uh, is it the, the Opa salad, which is like, okay, I can yeah. do this, I can do this, I can yeah. do this. And then there's making your own pizza at home, which you maybe have never considered. Yes, it is. I mean, that, and that's how I started cooking as well. The first time that you make like even something like a tomato sauce where you do it from scratch, where you saute the garlic and onions, sweat them out. And then you, you know, like, and then you taste it. You're like, this is never, this doesn't taste like anything, even better than the, all the Italian American restaurants I've gone to. Like that is, that's like the feeling I want for everyone to get, which is like, okay, I've never done this before, throw away the, the, the canned ragu sauce and like, just give it a try, you know, and just follow mm. my, I tried to write the books, so like follow it really simple steps. 
And what's it's been so amazing is like on Instagram, people are like making orange chicken and beef mm-hmm. bourguignon. They're like, I've never cooked before. And now I'm making orange chicken that tastes way better than Panda Express. You know what I mean? So that's, I like freaking love that. That's I, You know, food now, it could be really intimidating. People yeah. only post the good recipes or, yeah. <laughs> you know, the like, you know, I follow some people who are millionaires who have these incredible you know, south of French, France spreads at their houses. And it's just like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. But like yeah. this book sort of cuts through that fat a little. Um, yeah. You know, do you wish, I guess when you were getting started or or anyone who now is sort of more into food, like do you wish you had a guide like Foodheim to help you get a leg up when you were first getting yes. in the kitchen? I absolutely wish. And that was a huge part of writing this is like, I, I say I wrote this for the Eric 15 years ago when I first like picked up a frying mm. pan, you know, it's, it, and that's what, how it's, it's sort of organized. It's organized in a way like here's some really simple stuff that everyone should know. And here's why good olive oil is there's a difference between finishing oil and the oil that you saute, you know, all those like little tricks that, once you learn them, you're like, oh, God, this makes so much sense. You know, <laughs> I try to put all that stuff in there of like, get a good chef's knife, you know, like spend money on the things that are a couple things are important. Everything else is not important. So like I, I try to put that in there of, of people that are not millionaires you know, that that could, yeah. could make some like like a smash burger. You know, it's like less than ten dollars for the ingredients and you could feed your whole family and friends. It's like that's. That's what I'm about as well. Yeah. Get the good olive oil, get the good Malden salt, you know, get, yeah. if you, if you can spring for a couple of, of tinned fishes that aren't just tuna, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I actually do want to talk about the organization before we go to our first break, because the layout and the cadence, it, it brings you along very gently. And it's also really fun with all the photos and things like that. Was, was that the plan from the proposal or how did the book take shape? Uh, throughout the development and writing process. Yeah, that's I I actually wanted to release my pitch deck to the world just so people mm. can see like because the pitch deck is it's so close to the book and it's so wild. It's just mm. you know, I when I pitch the book I'm like this is the Eric experience. You know what I mean? And sure. the Eric experience is food, it's wine, it's like how to have a party with your friends, how to travel, how to how to, you know, uh, how to visit a winemaker, all those things that I think I'm so, that changed me that I want to like share. So that's where it came from. And then the visual component is just me. It's, I used, it's, it's, I just wanted it to be, and all of my favorite cookbooks are also like art books, like the sure. Salvador Dali book is my the big so good. inspiration. So I wanted it to be a book that you could, if you don't even want to cook, you can pop it open and you can see some small horses maybe, or, <laughs> you know, a picture of me on a, on a, in a pool or something, you know, just like I wanted as in everything I do, I just had to take it way over the top and put like a lot of time and effort into like the experience versus I hate a cookbook. I mean, I have a lot of classic cookbooks that have no pictures, but sure. it's not that fun. You know, it's, I want, no. I wanted every, almost every dish to have an insane, beautiful photo. Cause that's, that's what brings you in, you know? Yeah. Um, well, it really brings you in and we're going to take a quick musical break. We got a song from the archives and then we'll be back more with Eric Wareheim and his book Foodheim here on Snacky Tunes on hrn.org. Don't you tell them what to do. Just sit yourself. 
When I hit you on the knuckle, baby, you look me in death in the eye. Watch you see it right through me too. Tambo solo. back to snacky tunes we were with eric wareheim talking about his new cookbook foodheim a culinary adventure um and you know food has become such an interesting thing now because it became it was a serious thing and then it became like alt mainstream and then mainstream respected and then it's also crested into the ridiculousness and i know uh-huh. that you you touch on a thing called food club um yeah. that you were doing for a little bit which sort of plays up more of the absurd, I don't want to say social media, but like the, like the side eye thing of where food could go these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously this book could have gone in that direction too. You're a comedian. I think if you had put out something that was sort of lampooning food culture, um, no one would have given it a second glance. Cause they're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense that he's doing it. But how did you, how did you find that balance? Because it's not too serious. Like yeah. there is some really fun part about it. The things I do love about the food world where it can be fun. Um, but then how did you not get into self parody? Where did you strike that balance? Yeah, that, you know, I, it, it's hard. Cause I, st- I, you know, I started as a director, comedian guy, and then I got into the wine business with my, my label Las Harris. And that was the first like huge thing is like, how do I convince people that this mm. is actually something you want to drink versus like, the piss jokes that I do on my sketch show, you know, it was really hard, but the proof was in like the actual wine. Like it's just the best. And then with, with Foodheim, I've, I like actively changed my Instagram for about three or four years to just, and I called it top food blog, which is, (laughs) it was just my like travels and what I love to do. And I was like, you know, I, I'm going to save comedy for the things I'm working on with Tim and myself. And, my social media is going to be about food. I, it was just an experiment that I did because it's what I wanted. And the idea that a lot of comedians, there's, there's so much stress to kind of constantly put out like bits on Twitter yeah. and jokes. And I'm like, I just don't want that energy. It's just not me. And, and I'm like, what I am actually equally as passionate about food and wine. So I changed that. So I think I slowly, convince people that I am somewhat of a resource for the good, the good things in life, you know? So I think, and, and that's how I approach the book is like, I'm, I am 
really, really passionate about food, but I'm also like, I love having fun and food and at the core of food. It's about hanging out with your friends and like, you know, getting a little buzz on with wine and having fun. So that's, that's, that's how I try to present the book that it's like, it is really fun and it is just a lovely thing to do, but also, um, you got I wanted to put stories and information about where this food comes from and, and, and the respect and, and how to make it, you know, that's super important. Yeah. I mean, you talk about putting in that legwork. Um, you talk about getting, uh, a fried grouper sandwich, two hours out of Tampa, and yeah. <laughs> going up and down the coast of Sicily with John C. Riley. Yeah. But you know, sometimes I found that people are like, Oh, you know, if you drive three and a half hours outside of Philadelphia, there is like this shack that does these wonder bread sandwiches and it's, the best in the world. And you're like, no, it's just sort of out of the way. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> yeah and, and, and I think like you, I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, do we get in the car? Do we go up the coast? Do we seek yeah. it out? Um, how do you sniff out that? I guess I don't want to say bullshit, but like the bad stuff um, yeah. and filter that, you know, and how do you also check yourself being like, Oh, I did drive four hours. It is really good. Yeah. Maybe I'm just really hungry. Um, what, yeah. how, how did that litmus test uh, come down for what got placed in the book and what actually just goes out as recommendations from you into the world. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, for, for the idea of like driving to someplace, it, to me, it's, it's a, it's a n- network of my friends that I have mm. that are like, you know, you, you, you check the blogs, you check the Google maps, and then you hit your friends. Have any, have any of you done this, you know, and, and you just kind of work a, 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 a math equation of like, okay, four out of five people said this is good. And then you do it. But for the, the grouper sandwich, it was a combination of, I spent a lot of time on that, on the panhandle and Apalachicola. So I knew the seafood was awesome. And yeah. I, we were on this weird drive from Tampa to Miami. And I was like, I want to see Florida. I don't want to be on the highways. So we, we like went off the highways, went deep into Florida to get to this, like near Sarasota, where's this fish shack that was not researched. It was literally like me, us doing like yelps. <laughs> and it was just like, you know what I want? I just want to eat as this sandwich and look at the ocean and be mm. in some shack and see. It was like a very, it was an experiment that went well. And it was, you know, yeah. it was with my, my dudes. So we had a great time and it was like more of a vibe than it was. It was and that, that inspired my sandwich. And, my, and to be honest, my sandwich is like, 10 times better than the, the, the sure. fish jack place. You know what I mean? Cause you use good quality, everything, but um, I don't know. I'm into the adventure. Like when, last time I was in Naples, there's a, um, my good friends, Katie Parla recommended a place called Pepe and Grani, which is like mm-hmm. an hour outside of Naples in this mountain. And our driver was like, why are you driving to pizza? There's so much pizza in Naples. And we're like, I know, but there's just one place in the small town and it was the adventure. It was just the, the adventure of doing it was, and the pizza was amazing, but yeah, I don't know. I think life, like, you know, I, I love getting out of, out of the city and seeing and, and hanging with the people that are making it that, that are not just, you know, especially in LA, you don't quite get that experience at restaurants because a lot of no. the ser- servers are like not there you know, their heart's not in it. They just want to be an actor at some point. Yeah. But when, when you, when you're in Florida or you're in Naples, you're like, wow, this is some real shit. And that's what I'm, that's what the book is about. Like every, it's the real shit. Like what is the real version of this? How do we get to the real experience? And that's what I, I'm about. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, it's always nice when people are like, where are you from? And how did you find this spot? Yeah. Yeah. It's so appreciative that you're there. And I was like, I don't know. We did our research or we just got in the car and yeah. you know, it, it it paid off or it paid off enough 
it, it no. paid off, or at least it gave us inspiration of where you get back home. You're like, oh, I, I see what they're trying to do here, but I can do this. Yeah. That's I way. mean, look at Master of None. I mean, before oh season two, Aziz and I traveled up and down Italy trying to find a place to shoot. We, we started in Sicily, and then we ended up in Modena, and we saw that town. And no one's filmed there before, really. And no, you know, and we just, that was the real shit. That's where they really made that Emilia Romana like insane pasta, tortellini, all that stuff. So that's why we shot there to kind of honor that place. And that's, I mean, that's just we went vibe. to, uh, went to Bar Schiavone. When we yes. There, which is, the, you know, the sandwich. Yeah. The sandwich sisters. And you just go like, this is worth it. You know, yeah. like, I'm, and it's one of yeah. the things where it's like, there are great sandwiches in, in Florence and Rome and things like this. But then you get in the car, you drive a couple hours, you have a sandwich and you go, I'll be thinking about that eggplant. For yeah. A while. <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it's crazy. And um, it's also like the simple things. It's like, yeah, it's just like Italy is so heavily present in the book as in like, it's really just about the right little piece of cheese or salt or bread. Or, and it's not really about the extravagance of a million ingredients. It's about like one or two ingredients, just like try to get the good ones and um, it will change your cooking. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the recipes because you do, have both ends of the spectrum, which is what I've really now come to really appreciate of the food world, which is, you know, the highs and the lows. It can't all be caviar and T-bones. It can yeah. sometime, uh, yeah. but sometimes it, it can be a simple um, pasta or pizza or even orange chicken or things like that. Yeah. What do you love about the full spectrum of food? Where do you find the beauty in both? And what's the through line in the most opulent to the most rustic? You know, I, I think I'm a big like supporter of the celebration, you know, no matter, Mm -hmm. even if it's, even if it's a Tuesday night, my, my, a couple of my wine friends, we have, we get together on Tuesdays and we call it tickle me Tuesdays for some reason. Love it. But uh, the reason is it's a funny word, but we just get together and we're like, it's Tuesday. We're going to pop this bottle. And like, you know, so we just find moments to celebrate. And I think in the book, there are, there's like five party ideas that I plan out there. One is it's, it's like, called bliss mode party. And that's where we do the caviar. We do the red shrimps from Catalonia. We do all the, the craziness. Cause it's sometimes it is fine. It's fun to like go over the top and like give to your friends. That's one thing I learned, like, especially in corn in like COVID land was we, you know, in our pod, we would just have these dinners and we just like, let's just go crazy and give to our people and our family. And it feels so good. Um, you can't always do that. It, you know, obviously, but so there's, then the next day you make a sexy scraps pasta, which is like the leftovers. It's like you have a couple of asparagus or some broccoli and you have a little olive oil and garlic. And mm. so there's a recipe of that costs less than $4 in the book. That is crazy good because it's just the technique of, of getting those flavors really popping. So, I mean, that's, I just love both. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but you talked about in the pizza party, about you whip out a couple of pies just to to lay that base work, yeah. and then you let your friends make a couple of pies, yeah. and this this feeling that one gets of you say pulling a pizza out of the oven, but it could it could you could apply it to any of the dishes that you yeah. make pulling yeah. the, the chicken out of the fryer, you, you know, or uh, you, you know slicing up a, a steak. Um, what is it about making food for yourself that you think people have lost touch with? And that this book wants to reintroduce them to or introduce them to for the first yeah. time. Yeah, it's it is that sensation of 
holy shit, I just made pizza. You know, this thing that, <laughs> that you've grown up with or anything like, you know, another one of my favorites is beef bourguignon. That's mm-hmm. like, it's, that's like a more all day or four hour kind of deal. But like, once you do it a couple times, once we like, I figured out that recipe or my version of the recipe, I was like, holy shit. Like people go and pay a lot of money at restaurants for this, you know, but you can do it at home. That feeling of like, I accomplished this is so, it's such a fun part of cooking, I think, um, for me specifically. And that's what I try to get out there. It was like, you pull a pie out and you're like, whoa, this is like, you know, a, a couple months ago, it seemed not possible but with a little bit of you know just all you got to do is look at my book i did a lot years and years of research and dough consulting and everything to get Mm -hmm. there but um yeah i think that that feeling is is and i'm seeing it too it's so on instagram it's so great these like some of the my fans are like i made this you know like holy shit i made it you know and that's that's i think that's just such a great feeling yeah i mean look i don't I'm not going to step on your roast chicken recipe because your roast chicken recipe is awesome, but I've been cribbing from Thomas Keller's ad hoc roast chicken for years. And I'm like, you know, a whole roast chicken with vegetables at a restaurant is, is pricey. You go to the store, even if you buy a top end chicken and you're pulling that out and you're like, Oh, it's, it's so approachable. I just, I had, I had no idea that I could just do this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I'm trying to say you want a good chicken, then you have to find a good chicken. You know what I yep. mean? It's like, maybe don't go to Vaughn's and get, you know, no offense to Vaughn's, but like maybe no find, yeah, maybe find some kind of farm that's in your state that, you know, it's not that much more expensive. And then, you know, I call it like happy birds. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, if that bird's not caged up. It's going to be tasting much more delicious. But Well, it's, it's so funny because, you know, uh, you grew up with your grandma's food. I grew up with my, yeah. my grandma's food. And they seem to know this 40, 50 years ago. And then we sort of lost touch with it. Um, but this book also recognizes that there is a lot of beauty in that heritage and learning from yes. your grandparents and parents' tradition. Um, what inspires you from, from that type of cooking? Um, and how do you take it and make it, I don't want to say like modern, but like, what are you pulling from that? And applying it to maybe newer recipes. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting because when you're a kid, you don't really feel what's happening to you in terms of like, okay, it's Sunday dinner, we're doing a roast or a brisket. <laughs> you like, you know, you're just like, okay, this is. I just want to go out and play. But then, you, yeah. as you get older, you remember those feelings of like, wow, the house smelled really good. The whole family was there. Usually, people were happy. You know, not fighting for like two hours or other or five minutes while you're eating the food. So those like nostalgic feelings that that feels like grandma. It just feels like, you know, no matter where you are, you have some, maybe some family member that, that cooked for you like that. And that was so powerful, that feeling of these kind of old, old fashioned dishes and that I'm obsessed with. And then there's the idea of like, you know, my family never had a lot of money, especially my Oma and Opa in, in Germany. They lived in a, a little village and they would like, go to the butcher and buy like the 50 cent cut of meat that they could afford. And they just slow cooked it all day in veggies that they grew in their garden. And then those flavors were just mind blowing, you know? So that's how, and I feel like, especially with something like beef bourguignon or my mom's roulade and like Mm. you can get that in a restaurant and it's like, okay, if you make it at home with a little care, even using like really shitty cuts of meat that are just for stewing, it really, really develops into something beautiful. And that's like, that's the phenomenon of grandma foods that I'm like, 
I love, and I love, I also love like, maybe it's also because of the pandemic, but I love spending like five hours on a dish, yeah. like a ragu, just like yeah. just nursing it and kind of listening to some music and drinking a little wine. It's, it's, it's like an experience that I, I love. Yeah, well, we're going to take a quick break, but we're going to come back and talk about listening to wine and cooking and, and uh, sorry, listening, drinking wine, hanging out, cooking all day. Uh, we have a song from the archives and we'll be back with Eric Wareheim on HRN.org. Yeah, what's up? I was just wondering, could you come? Yeah, to turn off the reverb. Okay, here we go. Oh, yeah. 
Texans get tough. Eating pizza, but you never get enough. Calazone sitting on a plate with a knife. What you gonna do when you get married, your wife? She always staring at you with those googly eyes. But never would you do it if you had to despise who you was in the first place. Listen, you gotta learn to accept the grace of the beauty of the way you wanna do anything that you see. You gotta put yourself down upon one knee and tell yourself what you really doing this for. Is it societal pressure, whatever? You a whore? Listen, I got this up on the switch. You gotta do anything that you can do with Cause you use some words just cause they sound and make you feel tough and shit. But you would never do this. Yo, yeah, come on. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, put them the radio, radio. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Internet, radio, radio, internet, radio. What you gonna, what you gonna, what, 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 Good food is worth a thousand words. This is Arthi Menon, and I'm delighted to share a new podcast with you. My Family Recipe from Food 52 and Heritage Radio Network. Adapted from Food 52's much-loved column of the same name, the My Family Recipe podcast will bring its pages to life. Each episode of My Family Recipe brings you a cherished heirloom recipe and the story behind it from voices across the world of food. We'd open these tubs of dough and they would exhaust these incredible yeasty fumes and it just smelled like nothing else. It was so intoxicating. I'll interview writers and chefs, parents and children about what's passed down along with the foods that we know and love. Chinese people aren't like born with a download on how to like velvet chicken. You know, like that's not something that just like comes to you. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We are with Eric Wareheim talking about his new cookbook, Foodheim, A Culinary Adventure. Um, it's so interesting because, you know, as you get older, as you have more access to the best food in the world, you know, you talk about going to Italy with disease and, you know, you've gotten more popular and people invite you to things because they know that you love food, you wind up wanting to cook a little bit more at home. And you yeah. really get that sentiment in the book is that, yeah, I have the world at my fingertips. Yeah, I can go everywhere. But pure decadence for me, pure just like what I want to splurge on is cooking at home, listening to music, drinking wine. What what draws you to your house what draws you into a full day of cooking yeah. uh, for friends and family um you know it's it's i think the older you get and the more restaurants you go to and the more countries you visit you realize that you're you can it's really hard to capture that feeling of being in emilia romano and going to a little sure. pasta place and being like this is just so magical and in los angeles even in new york it's kind of hard to 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 get that feeling um, so at home, you just control everything. Like I love 
I love controlling the playlist. I have, I have a playlist for when I cook, I have a playlist for when I'm eating, you know, like I'm just, I'm into yeah. that. And then, and then also the journey, like I will wake up, if I'm going to make something, I will think about the wines I'm going to drink that whole mm. night. Like I'll plan it out in my head. That's, how, And it, it excites me. It's like, okay, we're going to start with a nice light white wine while I'm cooking, maybe rosé, and then we're going to move into this. And then we'll have a nice um, a decanter red for the, the ragu. And then for dessert, we're going to have an Amaro. And then, you know, make sure you get the, the orange wedges. I don't know. I just become obsessed with the whole experience. And then, and then when you dial it in you you it's successful you're like yes but then you got to clean up which sucks <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the i haven't figured that part out yet of like i'm you know i'm trying to be more efficient when you you know like my clean wife as is, you go yeah my wife clean. is amazing she her when she cooks it's so spot a lot of my friends are like that too but I, i'm getting there i'm I'm learning it clean as you it, go yeah it's it's a clean as you go it's like once you throw that apron on it is like either I'm cooking or I'm doing yeah. dishes or I'm sipping wine for a second, but it's, it's nothing's worse than like being, you know, seeing that fifth or sixth or seventh bottle of wine yeah. pour. And then you're, you look over and you see all the dishes and you're like, Ooh. Oh, I know, dude. <laughs> I, in my early days, I would do that. I would have parties and I wouldn't cook as I go. You know, I, I, my friends would offer to help, you know, like at 2 a.m. But I'm like, no, no, it's fine. But then I would just not go into my kitchen for like a day or two because yeah. it was so fucked up until it started really smelling. And I'm like, this is disgusting. I have to like deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and, yeah. You got to yeah. clean that up right away. Yeah. And you can't expect. When we first started throwing dinner parties, we would ask people to help clean up, but that's even worse. You just got to go. If I'm inviting you over to cook, I'm also going to clean. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, So, you know, the – I I know that we've been talking for a bit and I know we could spend equal amount of time talking about wine. Um, But the book is also a guide to wine and anyone who follows you on social media knows how much you, you love about it. So I don't know how much time I should put on the clock. But I'd love to give you a little bit of of space to wax about wine and your yeah. journey because you – of all the books I've read about wine, of all the things I've read about wine, you probably are the most honest about where you started with beer balls in the world yeah. <laughs> to now having a vast encyclopedia in your head, which you very graciously share and which I will definitely be cribbing next time yeah. I go to Voodoo Vin or someplace like that yeah. to be like, Oh, I need this German Riesling or I need this yeah. Loire Valley. Um, yeah. What is it? How do I ask this? Because you've talked so much about wine. What can you share about wine? Now, having written a book and shared so much about you, that is just like, it's not bullshit. It really is me. This yeah. is what I love about it. Yeah. And the first thing I would say is that you have to always have no ego about it and just be like, you're never going to know. You're never going to know enough about wine. There's always, it's just such a vast, insane world. And what I've learned is I've just hung on to the people that I love and respect that, and are also cool. The wine world is filled with horrible people and really cool people, you know, just like in any, any industry. Like when I moved to LA, it was the same thing. There was nightmare people that I was like, I will never talk to you again. And there's like (laughs) this cool guy over here that's doing something weird. I'm like, I'm going to hang out with you. And same with the wine world. It's like, you find someone that 
you respect or a shop that you love or, you know, a label that you, you've had this wine mm. and you, I take, I just take a picture of it, put in a note or, yep. and then you, you slowly build this kind of like knowledge by asking questions. And it's really intimidating when I, you know, my early, I would walk into a wine shop and be like, I have no idea what I want, but I'm, I know I'm going to have, I'm making a steak tonight. You know, that's all I had. It's all the info you had and you work from there. And then it, then it depends on how deep you want to go. If you want to be very casual, it's totally chill. There's so many people out there now that will help you. Um, but I wanted, I got obsessed. I was like fully psycho crazy about it. And I visited all the wine countries in America, you know, up in Sonoma, Oregon, down here, Santa Barbara. And then I went to Europe and I just like would do month long wine journeys and just visit it, visit winemakers. And like, to me, it's always like going to the core. It's like, can I, and master and none, we worked with real Nona's that are, made pasta. Mm. And in, in the wine world, you go, and it's not hard. You can just literally Instagram these people and be like, hey, I love your wine. Is there any way I can meet you um, in Jura next time I'm there? And they're like, yeah. And you go and you t- they, they love sharing. It's like really cool. So I would just say my my advice is just to reach out and and communicate with people. Just like when you go to your wine shop, just literally ask questions and, and um, you're going to get some good stuff. Yeah, it's um, it's a great way just to get into it. I mean, that's yeah. it, it's just um, you know, the food you show people how to cook, the wine you show people how to get started, and then you also give people a bit of a window of how to plan a party because that's yeah. the other thing as well. Because now, especially post COVID or things like that, or just like you know, going out to eat can be such a hassle, or maybe don't feel safe. Um, if I was to plan my first dinner party or just not even dinner party, lunch, gathering, you know, wine in the afternoon, my own tickle me Tuesday, whatever. (laughs) Um, What are your tips for putting a party together? What are just like the basic things if I've never had people over in the house to cook and drink with? Yeah. I mean, yeah. First, yeah. Read Foodheim. It has like, (laughs) you know, we just, we just, yeah, no, (laughs) I mean, one cool thing I learned when I was in Paris was this idea of a raclette dinner which is Mm. kind of melted raclette cheese onto like grilled meats and i literally just went on amazon bought this raclette grill and it's a grill and underneath of it is these little um containers where you put the cheese so you're grilling meat or bed you just do mushrooms and and the cheese is melting and then you serve it on potatoes and you just you just buy tons of pickled things and make a little Mm -hmm. salad and that was like kind of my first little party because everyone sits around it and everyone can contribute they could just take a little piece of a veg or meat and grill it and then make their own plate. And you just kind of have a long, lazy kind of night with that, with some different wines. And um, it's like, so that's like the first thing is like when you're planning a party, it's like, what do I, what do I want to cook? What do my friends eat? Are some of them vegetarian? Sure. Obviously, you know, like you got to do all that stuff. And then now we, I get psycho about it with my friends and we just like, <laughs> we'll talk for a whole day on what wines we're going to drink and what sure. pairs perfectly. And we'll save certain things for that occasion. And, or it's like, you know, we do, we also do, I have a dinner party with my friend, Jason, we have on six, we have succession nights and we mm-hmm. get together and we just uh, cook like nineties wall street food. Like, it. you know what I mean? Like wedge salads, martinis, um, roasted chicken, um, a filet, whatever. Like, I don't know. There's uh, to me, there's always something fun instead of getting takeout. Like, I'm just like, this is way more fun. And it's, and it's a bonding thing with your friends. Like yes. you get them to cook. That's why at our pizza parties, everyone's got to make a pizza and that, you know, just pick your toppings, what's your vibe. And like, 
I, I think it's any kind of party that where you're participating in it is really kind of fun. And some people don't want to, that's totally cool. But, you know, I'm sure most people, when they get an opportunity to like, Oh, I can like sauce this pie and put whatever I want. That's like, that's, it's kind of rad. And you see them turning the pizza in the oven. It's like really fun. Yeah. I mean, you also get to control the music and I know that you yeah. shared a playlist, Jaime's house, with yes. us, which I'm super stoked about. Um, yeah. But you also talk in the book about, uh, a tala disco on Sunday yes. for when you're cooking all day or you're doing your beef board, playing some Serge Gainsborough. Yeah. Like it's just nothing is, uh, I don't know. Going to a restaurant is such a crapshoot with the music these days. Some people are really obsessed and some people just obviously paid someone else to get the music. Yeah. But um, you know, the wine, the food and the music, what goes into your playlist? How obsessive are you with that every time you have a party at your house? Yeah. I mean, I the the playlist, you know, Jaime's house, I, I half the songs are kind of, it's it's more about when I'm cooking. You know, I really need like up tempo. I'm obsessed with I've been shooting in, in Mexico City a lot, so I have a lot of mm. like psychedelic cumbia on on this oh, playlist. Yeah. But it just gets me going. Also living in LA, that's like the rhythm of this town yep. in, in a big way. So I love listening to stuff like that. Disco too, just gets you going. You want to cook. I don't know. Sometimes when I'm making like red sauce, I put on Frank Sinatra, you know, just, it's just like you want to get in that vibe. And then for the dinner party, I have lots of playlists. Like if it's just me and Maddie, my wife, I have like, it's called dinner with Maddie and it's a little more chill and there's some jazz. It's, it's like romantic. And then there was pizza party. It's just like, it could be anything. It could be like some new Drake. It could be some like seventies Ethiopian jazz. Like just like, I like getting, getting into it and, and create and my friends do it too. I have a, a network of friends, and a lot of them are like vinyl freaks. So they like yeah. are like literally DJing the whole time. And it's just it's it to me. It's like why not make an experience versus is there's nothing like going to a house party and it's it's just those elements are not dialed in. You know, someone has a Spotify on that uh, is yeah. not a pro. They're not. It's not a paid account, so you're listening to like um, the ads, <laughs> like on a really shitty like portable speaker, or not, or not. Someone has their iPhone in a glass. You know that move. Like, yeah. I'm like, dude, come on. I mean, time and place. You know, maybe you're on the beach, or maybe you're cooking over a wood fire, and you know the the Bluetooth batteries ran dead. But yeah. I think if you're at home and you're inviting people to say over, and if they have kids and they got the babysitter, yeah. they go. We're gonna make this feel really special. Yeah, um, and and yeah, lot, there's and also there's tons of tips like in the book about going to the beach and be like, here's here's like, yeah, you need to get your ice situation dialed in. You know what I mean? There's nothing worse than like a warm wine on a beach, and you can. It's just it's it's if you want to go to that place, here's the tools. If you don't, who cares? If you want warm wine, that's fine. But I just, I like, you know, getting, I just, the book is all about if you want to really appreciate these things the way they're meant to, which is like wine is, should be served at a certain temperature. You know, it's like, that's the way you do it. And um, that's the way it's meant to be received. And um, so I, I think all those little elements like playlists, temperatures, vibe is all like a real important thing. Yeah, well, I want to end. There's these two sentences in the book that I see as couplets that really sum up, I think, one of the main inspirations for the book or and the, the heart of it, which is cooking is about bringing people together and you must share your riches with your friends. And I okay. love those ideas together because that's really what it is to cook and host people, to bring a nice bottle of wine, 
to say I went out of my way to bring you these tomatoes, this cheese, uh, just, you know, I, I spent all day cooking this bread for you. What is it about the bringing people together and the sharing of the wealth that drives you to put this book out and to cook for people day in, day out? Yeah. It's one of the, the biggest, uh, you know, I have, I have, when friends come over for dinner parties, maybe 10 years ago, they would, you know, stop at literally the gas station and get a bottle and I'd be like, all right. And now yeah. after they've known me for many years, they're like, you know what? I'm actually going to like take two extra minutes and stop by a wine shop and tell them what Eric's cooking. And then they, they and now they're into mm, it. So yeah, I don't know. That's like, to me, it's like, if I can motivate people to just take an extra just moment and because life is so the, the convenience of life now is so it's, it's, it's really useful, but it's also kind of kills the vibe and it kills like the yeah. beauty of the adventure and of getting things. And then, you know, it, it's also if your friends are your family, man, you know, like most people, that's who, that's who their closest people are. And you, you should, I just love giving to them and just going a little further. And then I feel that when it comes back to you, it's really nice as well. in a different, whatever way I just, and as you get older, I think you really appreciate that a little bit more than going, even going to dinner, you know, and, and spending a lot of money. It's, it's really like, Oh, you spent, you spent this much time to make mm-hmm. bread for me. It's just such a simplest most root kind of soulful loving gesture. And that's what I'm about. And um, it's, it's beautiful. I love it. Amazing. Well, congratulations. The book is Foodheim culinary adventure. Shout out to Emily Timberlake as well. Yes. Emily, my co-author, who's such a big part of this book and this is an amazing human. And shout out to 10 speed press. We love them. It's yeah. great. It's, it's on, on my shelf. It's actually a, one of Mark Vetri's book. By ten speed, and then you're right next wow, to it. I feel that's insane. <laughs> I love I, it. I, I feel very good. Um, anything else? If people want to find the book, follow you on Instagram. Uh, where can they yeah. go? You just go uh, type in my name, Eric Werheim. That's who I am. <laughs> you can find me all over the goddamn place. <laughs> Amazing. Well, congratulations. Yeah. It's a fantastic book. Really inspiring. I've I've dog-eared quite a few pages, and I'm excited uh-huh. that the weather is actually turning. A little bit here yeah. in LA, and I, I can get to some of the, the longer cooks. Yes, please show me. Uh, uh, show me. Show me what you do. I'm uh, oh, I will. I will. Well, we have one last song from the archives. Thank you to everyone, and we will see you next time here on Snacky Tunes on HRN.org. <laughs>
be here Don't wanna be here I just wait around To hear the good news To hear the good news If you want To be on your Talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. This program is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.